the Young and Healthy Podcast. You're listening to the Cincinnati Children's Young and Healthy Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Cincinnati Children's Young and Healthy Podcast. My name is Kate Setter. I'm your host for today. And today we are going to be exploring the topic of constipation in kids. And as the parent of three kiddos myself, we have been through bouts of constipation with all three. And I think that this is one of those topics that a lot of times we kind of hesitate to talk about because it's poop. But we need to talk about it because kids struggle with this. And joining us today for this conversation is Dr. Tamara Hajat. Thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about poop. I'm always excited to talk about poop. (laughs) Why not, right? We're going to have a poop conversation. And Dr. Hajat is a pediatric GI specialist, and she sees patients with all sorts of different GI conditions, um, including kiddos who are struggling with constipation. So let's just jump right in. Will you tell us a bit about when we're thinking from a medical perspective, what is constipation? So that's a great question. Constipation is the inability to um, have a bowel motion, meaning poop, either because it is hard to push out or it is very dry or it, it is painful or you're unable to completely empty everything. Um, And it comes in different forms. So some people say, I go uh, days without pooping, Mm -hmm. um, and they are constipated. Sometimes people say, I poop, but it hurts to poop. So they are constipated. And some people say, I poop every day, but it's small amounts, it's pebbly. And I don't completely empty. And that's constipation. So there's a misconception that constipation is just I go weeks or days without pooping. It comes in different forms. And so what are some of the causes? I mean, it sounds like if it can present in so many different ways, there are likely different causes of it as well. What are some of those? Right. So the most common cause of constipation is something we call withholding. And what that means is that the kid tends to hold the poop in. When they feel the sensation of needing to go to the bathroom, they resist that sensation and they hold the poop in. Um, either because they're distracted, they're at school, so they don't like the school bathroom, Maybe sometimes they're playing video games or they are um, out with their friends or on vacation so they don't get a lot of um, ability to go to the bathroom. And once they hold it in, your colon is really good about absorbing the water from the poop. So it makes it very, very dry and hard. And your colon, although sometimes it can push it out, a lot of times it can't push it out. And then it become and it builds up in your colon. And that's why uh, withholding is one of the causes of constipation. Um, it's a very, very common cause. But the good news is that once we treat it, 
it gets much, much better. The other possible causes um, are underlying um, medical conditions. Some of these medical conditions are a low thyroid level that can make you more constipated. Sometimes uh, something called celiac disease, where it's an autoimmune condition that is activated by a protein in a food called gluten. So kids with celiac disease can present with constipation. Um, sometimes slow um, movement or motility in the colon or innervation problems in the colon or nerve problems in the colon. Those are not common causes of constipation, um, but there are possible causes that we look for when somebody comes to us with constipation. So are there certain ages at which constipation is more common for kids, um, for the kiddos who are typically healthy, typically developing? Yes, absolutely. And um, those are usually the ages where kids tend to hold it in. So a lot of times around potty training, so a toddler age, um, kids tend to... um, try to hold their poop in because they're either afraid of the potty or they're distracted or they're really, really getting really good at holding their poop and their pee in. So they hold it in. Mm -hmm. So that's a very common uh, age group where kids develop constipation. And then around the time where they uh, start going to school, Mm -hmm. Um, because, again, they start holding it in. They don't want to go to the bathroom. They only get three passes a year, four passes a year to go to the bathroom. So all of those contribute to having constipation. And then around the teenage years where kids um, tend to uh, be a little bit less um, able to express their difficulty of passing uh, poop, or having a bowel motion because they just don't want to talk about poop, um, and then they become constipated. So they want to tell poop jokes. Yeah. They just don't want to talk about their own poop. It's true. It's true. <laughs> um, so if we're talking about like kids in these age ranges, and parents are looking for signs and symptoms, like... Can you give us just kind of a baseline? What should a typical stool pattern look like? Good question. So um, I typically say um, or tell my patients that you need to completely empty everything your colon made that day. So ideally, you need to poop every day and feel like you completely emptied everything and there's nothing in there. If you skip a day or two, that's okay. So if you have five to six poops in a week, that's great. Um, But also, it should be easy to push out, and it should not hurt. Um, There's a a Bristol stool scale that we can share, Mm -hmm. um, and ideally the best uh, poop is the type four, which is the kind of snake-like smooth poop. So it has to be daily or at least six, five to six times a week. It has to be 
easy to push out. It has to be um, kind of snake-like and smooth, not not like corn on the cob. Sometimes that's kind of that's what the Bristol stool scale kind of describes in kind of um, food terms, um, and not hurting. So, in if it is any different from any of those, then that's a sign of constipation. So what do we understand about why some kids will be occasionally constipated, but others seem to struggle with it for longer stretches? Right. So um, it all depends on um, what the underlying cause is. Um, If there is an underlying organic cause, then we have to treat that. And those kids tend to have more um, issues with constipation. But also um, anxiety, ADHD, uh, fear of something, um, behavioral concerns can also be one of the factors to making the treatment of constipation a little bit um, more challenging. It doesn't mean that it's not um, going to be uh, treated. And we see a lot of these kids do much, much better. It just means that we might need to take a little bit more steps to address those underlying issues if it's an anxiety um, or a behavioral concern or an ADHD or anything like that to help with the constipation. So we just went through kind of what those signs look like and the deviation from typical. Um, Is there an advantage for the child to identifying the issue earlier or stated another way can it cause more problems if it goes on longer so that's a good question and um the if with anything the earlier you manage it the better um so if a parent is noticing um that their kid is having some issues with pooping, I would encourage you to bring it up to your provider as soon as possible. Now, I do want to stress the importance that a lot of times it's hard to know that your kid is constipated. Mm -hmm. So I don't want the parents to feel guilty that this has been going on for a long time. Did I let did I let the did I let my child go for a long time? Is it going to damage their colon? No. Just as soon as you recognize it, let talk to your provider. Let them know. There are if if a kid is constipated for a while, then the treatment process is going to take a while. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, I do encourage parents not to stop the medicine prematurely to work with your provider. I do say sometimes if the constipation has been going on for years, then the treatment might require years. Eventually, the kid will get better, the colon will heal, but it is uh, really important to keep in mind to follow up on the medicines and uh, wean them off and work with your provider. But I do want to stress the importance that this is very, very, very common. Very common. 
a lot of kids are constipated. And um, a lot of kids that are constipated are constipated for a long time. So um, I want to let the parents know that this is common and do not feel like you've let your kid go. So talking about the medications, what treatments are there that can be helpful for kids um, who are experiencing this? So um, I'd like to divide the medicines um, based on two things, based on how we give it or how it's given Mm -hmm. and based on what's its function is. So there are some medicines that are are given by mouth um, or given um, orally. Mm -hmm. And there are some medicines that are given um, through the bottom or what we call rectally. Um, And the medicines that are given by mouth are either medicines that help soften the poop. So they mix the poop with the poop. They retain the water. Remember, water is really important for poop to be soft. So they stay in the poop. They retain the water and make the poop easy to pass. Those medicines uh, are um, something like polyethylene glycol. Um, The brand name of of it is Miralax, but there's other brand names uh, like a Kroger brand, the Costco brand, other brands. So that's a stool softener where it mixes with a poop. It's a powder that you mix in water um, and you drink it. Um, It doesn't have a taste. Some kids think it has a taste, so they prefer mixing it in something that's with a flavor. Um, But that's a good medicine that helps soften the poop. Um, Other medicines that help soften the poop, um, lactulose. It's uh, like a, uh, it's a liquid that is um, like a syrup that's given and it helps soften the poop. Things that are not um, prescription medicines that help soften the poop, like fiber or fiber gummies, um, Metamucil, those are kind of all designed to soften the poop. Now, as equally as important to soften the poop, there are medicines that help contract the colon. Um, and those medicines um, make the weaker contractions of the colon because it's important for your poops to be soft. So some people say those are mushers. Uh, and it's important for your colon to push the poop out. So those are pushers. So um, it's really important for your colon, which is a muscle, to be strong and contract. And those muscles that help contract are commonly known as stimulants. Um, And uh, some examples of those is something called Senna or Senecot. Mm -hmm. This comes in pill form, liquid form, or chewable um, chocolate tablets. Um, But another one is Bisicodal. That also comes in a pill form or um, in enema form. And then there's something called magnesium citrate. Um, um, milk of magnesium is also a stool softener. Um, so those are kind of the, the ones that are given by mouth. The ones that are given um, kind of in the bottom that we don't commonly use but sometimes are necessary are like uh, suppositories. So those are kind of... Um, either bullet form or liquid form that have medicines in it that soften the poop. 
but also enemas that have different forms of medicine in them. One thing important to know about that is those only help with a stool ball that needs to be broken down mm -hmm. to help um, let the poop out or kind of unplug that area. It doesn't help with the whole colon. Your colon is very long and that targets only the last part, which is the rectum, the last part of the colon. But sometimes you can get to a point where there is that stool ball that is blocking everything up and it needs to come out. Correct, correct. So yes, um, it, is, it is very important to kind of work with your provider mm -hmm. because if you take medicines by mouth, and um, you have that stool ball that is there and needs to be broken down, enemas or suppositories are the best form of treatment for that. And is that something that should be done under supervision of a provider, or are those things available over the counter that a family could administer it at home if advised to do so? Yes. All the medicines that I mentioned, except for, I think, lactulose, are um, over-the-counter. So uh, if your provider advises you to, to take them, then yes, you can go buy them over-the-counter. Um, some enemas and some suppositories have certain medicines, stimulants in them, so it can help with the stool ball, but it also can help with contraction of the colon. Those are commonly, uh, have medicines called bisicodal in it, um, but others have only um, lubricants like glycerin in them um, or some foss in them that helps kind of break down that stool ball. Is there anything that is um, kind of more dietary related or non-medication kind of prevention that families could do? You've mentioned that water is really important. Is drinking more water something that can help keep kids moving? Right. So that's, a, that's an excellent question. So ideally, a balanced diet is the best diet to... Uh, maintain pooping. And what I mean by a balanced diet is having uh, fiber, having um, fruits, having vegetables in your diet, um, and drinking um, enough water to help with that. So um, that's one thing that is very helpful. But there's other factors or other um, lifestyle changes that can be made to help with um, preventing constipation. Some of those are um, movement. Remember your colon is a muscle, so if you move your other muscles, you're moving your colon muscle. Um, taking the time to sit down on the toilet and poop or uh, listen to your colon when it needs to poop. It's hard to explain it to children uh, because, you know, they're two, they're three, they're five, they're six, they want to play. Um, but sometimes having them uh, sit on the toilet for no longer than five minutes, you can e even time it. 
uh, and say, uh, no distractions and say, sit down, try to poop. They can have a timer. When the time's up, they poop, they poop. If they didn't, they didn't. Ideally, the best time to do this is around the time when uh, your colon is mostly active. Um, and that is after you eat, that triggers your colon to move. So uh, 10 to 20 minutes after eating, have them sit on the toilet, try to poop for five minutes so they don't need to hold it on down the road when they're trying to play. Um, or when you wake up, your colon wakes up with you. So when you sleep, your colon sleeps with you. When you wake up, your colon wakes up with you. So that's the best time to sit down, take time, and try to poop. Um, and then talking to the school, say, uh, um, my kid has some issues with constipation, going to the bathroom. Is there any way we can kind of, uh, de or any modification we can change uh, that can help with that? And a lot of providers are happy to give school notes. Um, but I can stress that sometimes families can do all of this and their kids are constipated. And there's nothing that they did wrong, it's just they're more prone to having constipation. So sometimes they can eat as much fiber, drink as much fluid, try to go to the bathroom, um, try to uh, poop, focus on poop, and it's just, they're just prone to being constipated. Um, sometimes it runs in families and they say, oh yeah, my grandma, my mom, we're all kind of having some issues with constipation and they need medicine and that's okay. Um, it doesn't mean that uh, they're going to be dependent on this medicine, but sometimes they might need this medicine to help them go. So before we move away from medications and treatments, um, I was um, hoping we could spend just a couple minutes talking about Miralax specifically and the correct way to use this medication because I've definitely heard people are like, oh, we tried it and it didn't work. Um, how is that medication intended to be best used? Right. So um, I do agree that um, a lot of people um, have used Miralax and um, have found it not to work. And knowing the best way to use Miralax is really important. So Miralax is a powder. Um, that your body or colon does not absorb. It stays in your colon and it's designed to stay or keep the water in your colon to make it soft. And this powder needs to be mixed really well to dissolve in the water. So each capful needs to be mixed in um four to eight ounces, depending on the age of the child. Um, so we say younger children, because it's hard for them to maybe drink eight ounces. Uh, they can do it in four. And older kids, if they can mix it in eight ounces and drink it, that's, um, that's better. Um, because remember, it retains the water. Um, the other thing is that um, other than mix it pretty well, Drinking it within 15 to 20 minutes, maximum 30 minutes, is best. Um, some people sip on it throughout the day. So some parents kind of put it in a water bottle and the kid sips on it throughout the day. It's not as effective as drinking it within 15 to 20 minutes. So I usually say if uh, your kids um, drink something at dinner, maybe mix it in the thing that they drink at dinner. Um Preferably, and it works best if it's mixed in a clear, th 
thin liquid. So if it's mixed in milk, it doesn't work as well as if it's mixed in water or juice or Gatorade or any thin liquid where it's clear you can see through it. Now sometimes with toddlers, um, if they don't drink anything other than milk, we have to do it in the milk, but we give clear instructions of mixing it really well and they might need a higher dose because it might not dissolve as well as in thin liquids. Um, and honestly, taking it every day. So taking it as needed, especially if the kid is constipated, does not work. It needs to be maintained a daily medicine. Um, so those are the most important things for the Miralax. Thank you for running through that. I definitely learned something and I've been using Miralax with my kids for quite a while. So um, very much um, think that you've probably uncovered some opportunities for plenty of people to do that better. Yes. Um, so knowing that some families may already have experience helping a kiddo who has constipation they're on the second or third kid that's been through the potty training typical constipation um, and they pull out all their tricks and it's not um, it's not helping like what's some of the indication that it might be time to call the child's primary care pediatrician and say hey here's what's going on how can you help um I would encourage families to reach out to their pediatrician at any point that they have questions or concerns. So um, I always encourage families to not sit at home and wonder what they need to do. Always be open and honest with your pediatrician and say, uh, these are the things that I'm struggling with. Um, a lot of families are very experienced because, like I said, uh, a lot of times constipation runs in uh, families. So they say, oh, my first kid had this constipation. Miralax worked well. I'm going to give this my kid, uh, the second kid, Miralax, and that's okay. Because, uh, honestly, the only downside of giving Miralax is that um, if you give a little too much, they might have diarrhea, which is okay. But I would encourage the families to, if they feel comfortable giving stool softeners and medicines for their kids' constipation, adjusting their diet, um, having their kids uh, drink more water, um, having them move around, then they can certainly do that. But if they are at some point um, concerned about an underlying cause, uh, some parents say, well, my first kid, I gave them Miralax and they did well, but this one, I'm just giving the same dose of Miralax and it's not working, um, then I would encourage you to talk to your pediatrician. Or um, if uh, you're worried about uh, the dose of Miralax you're, you're needing to give, or at any point, just be open and honest with your pediatrician. Uh, physicians always like it when parents come to them with their concerns and kind of talk uh, to the families about what their concerns are and have planned for that. And what might indicate that it's time to have a conversation with the child's pediatrician um, about possibly a referral to a GI specialist? Yeah, so um, first of all, GI specialists are always happy to see uh, patients with constipation. 
And um, different uh, pediatricians have different comfort levels of managing constipation. Um, So that would be a great discussion with your pediatrician. If you've been working with your pediatrician on constipation and you feel like you're not progressing, you're not moving forward with the management plan, then I think that it's okay to have that conversation with uh, your pediatrician and say, um, do you think it's time to kind of uh, get the opinion of a specialist to look into more causes, uh, other treatment options? And if you're working with your pediatrician and things aren't progressing and moving forward, then you can continue with your pediatrician. Uh, A lot of times we see patients uh, that are referred by their pediatrician. Um, We give them some treatment options. We follow them. They do really good. And then we say, okay, you're doing great. You can go back to your pediatrician and continue the plan and wean off of the bowel regimen or the meds um, with kind of assistance of your pediatrician. But I would always encourage families to have an open and honest conversation with their pediatrician and um, bring it up if they think that it's time to see a GI specialist. So we know that sometimes the constipation can be particularly difficult to treat or is part of a more significant diagnosis. Is there anything that parents can watch for that might indicate that, you know, oh, maybe there could be something more going on here? Mm-hmm. So that's a uh, great question. A lot of times when we see kids with constipation, um, we do some basic workup to rule out common um, what we call GI pathologies or medical conditions that need to be treated other than constipation medicines. So um, that is uh, one thing that we as provider take on that responsibility so parents don't have to worry about that. Now, um, if we're needing to do higher doses or needing to do uh, more um, medicines or we're just not progressing, then we start thinking about Um, other possible causes. But again, I kind of um, said this in the beginning that uh, a lot of times it's not just constipation. It might be other uh, things like anxiety, uh, ADHD, um, um, the fear of going to the bathroom. And sometimes kids hold their poop in for a long, long time that they forget, and this is kind of um, surprising to a lot of families, they forget how to relax their bottom muscles to poop. Um, And that's one situation that just with medicines, we, um, it's very helpful, but a lot of times um, that uh, is one reason why uh, we're not moving or progressing forward and then we address that so um, I can't say one particular thing that uh, families need to watch out for but what I can say if um, you're you're feeling like your kid is not progressing um, then just talk to your provider and say I feel like we've been at this point for months 
is there anything else that we're missing? Is there anything else that we can do to help us progress and get better uh, and not stay at the same point? So my final prepared question for you is um, about misconceptions. And I think you actually started our conversation with one, but are there any other myths or misconceptions about constipation um, that we could take this opportunity to address and clear up? Yes, there's a lot. Um, And I'll try to list as many as I can remember right now. But the one that I started with is my kid is pooping every day. How can they be constipated? And we explained that if kids sometimes can poop every day, but if they're not completely emptying, then they can get backed up. And um, when they get backed up, it builds up, the, the poop builds up in their colon and they are constipated. The other misconception is that, well, my kid has diarrhea and sometimes constipation. How can they be constipated when they have sometimes diarrhea? And that shows in the form of a couple of days of diarrhea. It's just a small amount, not like a stomach bug diarrhea, but a small amount with um, one or two times a day. And then three days or a few days without pooping or pooping hard stool. And this type of diarrhea is called overflow diarrhea. And it is just the liquid poop seeping around uh, the solid poop that is backed up in the colon. And your colon needs to push something out. So it just pushes the liquid poop. So it pushes the liquid poop, which then you think your kid has diarrhea and then uh, tries to push the solid poop, but it's hard, and then it's constipation. So it's constipation alternating with diarrhea. Usually kids are constipated. Uh, The third one is um, if I have my kid on medicines, will their body um, be um, dependent on them? Especially stimulants like Senna. Um, That is a misconception. Um, In the past, we used to think that, yes, they will be dependent. Studies and uh, more experience told us that no. Usually the kids that need the medicines for a long time are the kids that have um, had constipation for a long time. When you've been constipated for a long time, your colon, remember we said it's a muscle, it kind of stretches out a little bit. And in order for it to heal, you need to be on the medicines for a while. Sometimes that while is a year. Sometimes it's a few months. Sometimes it's a couple years. Um, Just work with your provider. Don't stop the medicines because you're concerned that your child will be um, um, dependent on these medicines. These medicines are necessary for your your child's colon to heal. Uh, And a lot of times we try to wean kids off of them instead of suddenly stopping them and then the last thing is that um oh i let my kid be constipated for a long long time their colon is stretched will it ever go back to normal it's not going to go back to normal the good news is that it will um the colon is a muscle that's very flexible um 
It is uh, when it's stretched out for a long time, it's like a balloon that's redundant, um, but it will go back to normal. Your, your child just needs to be on the medicines for a while to allow it to heal. So these are kind of some of the common misconceptions um, with kids that have constipation. So all of those are super helpful. Thank you for that. This has been an absolutely fascinating conversation about poop. Thank you. Thank you. It's one of my favorite topics. (laughs) And I think that it's one that um, so many families struggle with and don't know what to do next. So I am super grateful for your time today. Did you have any final thoughts or anything that we didn't talk about that we should? Um, My final thoughts are, remember, constipation is common. Remember, uh, just work with your provider and it's easy to to be treated. Um, Your kid will not be dependent on the medicines. It's very important to stay on the medicines every day. Using them as needed is just playing catch up. You want to be proactive. And one final thing is it's not your fault. It's very common. Once you realize it, talk to your provider. But it's hard to, especially when kids are independent and you stop looking at their poop, it's hard to pick up on that. Such fantastic words of wisdom. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. So glad you're here. We've been talking to Dr. Tamara Hajat, who joined us today to talk about constipation on the Young and Healthy podcast. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time. This episode was recorded on August 30th, 2022. The Young and Healthy podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Our theme music was created by Stephen Greco, and this episode was produced by Symphony Fair Harris. Thanks for listening. Follow Cincinnati Children's on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.